Game, episode 31 of Stats Matter Podcast. You know, why don't we just, let's recap week 10 of the NFL season and see if we can preview week 11. It was a great slate of games. A lot of things didn't go our way. Uh, and there's still an undefeated team. This is pretty crazy. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a legitimate shot, I think, at going 16-0. I, I really think they do. Um, in our cups this week, look, it's another IPA twofer. I love these episodes. I got one double IPA from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And you got a double IPA from North Haven, Connecticut. Now, you guys all know you can find the Stats Matter podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify. We appreciate it. Um, and you can also follow us on all the socials, at Stats Podcast on Twitter and at Stats Matter on Instagram. Now, we got to get cracking in these beers, and we got to get cracking and talking about these games, Tim. So let's go. Let's go, boys. All right. So, Tim, I've noticed mm-hmm. uh, not even a couple minutes after I said, you know what? It's stout season. Now you're you're kind of reciprocating and you're giving me some IPAs. I, I, I want to know, blink twice if you're under duress and you're being forced to <laughs> give these IPA reviews because I don't, this seems totally out of touch for you. I mean, the, uh, uh, the, the brewery that shall not be named because it's on the bingo card for the Stats of Matter listeners um, who you try to mention in every episode possible. Uh, yeah, has yeah, not yeah. gotten any love whatsoever lately, so I'm a little worried. Uh, I mean, it's the holiday season, man. Money's tight. I don't have money for $35 uh, stouts to be shipped up my way. But uh, <laughs> no, so this one actually, so I, I had a couple of them in the fridge. I thought about doing another sloop, love sloop. We were having my fridge, which shall go unnamed in case I do it in a later podcast. Also phenomenal. But uh, my wife and I, 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 while she was out this weekend, I was like, hey, why don't you swing by? Uh, see if you can find us a good stout, watch some Christmas movies, get in the spirit, start decorating some stuff. Uh, and when she was there, she asked the guy if they had anything interesting. And he actually recommended this one as a, as a local favorite. Now, I would like to think of myself as a local connoisseur, uh, and I've never heard of this one in particular. But uh, in an odd bit of coincidence, since I've gotten this one, which he said every time it hits the shelf, it says up pretty quick. Um, Shortly after getting this one, it popped up in my untapped notifications from a couple other places, putting them on tap, including a place here in Connecticut called J. Timothy's, which is the go-to spot for uh, wings and craft beer. They're supposed to have some of the best wings in all of New England, uh, but their craft beer menu is phenomenal. So they just put it on there. So maybe there's some some stock to what he's saying, but uh, yeah, it's a double IPA. Uh, it's another one of those where they switch up the variant every time. Uh, this one's uh, the Galaxy variant, but it's called Walking into the Fog. Uh, it's another one that's brewed and packaged by Abomination, but also gets some distribution love from 12% Brewing. Um, but uh, it's 8.6. I'm a big Galaxy fan. Uh, I put it up there maybe just behind Simcoe for me is, is you know, my favorites in my list. But um, I'm always up to try new local beers. Um, when we started this, that was a big thing I said. I want to try and get local beers some love around here. We've been graced and blessed with some of the best beers around the country to partake in, but still going to try and mix in some of these local ones. Don't don't think I don't have a ton of stouts in that fridge. I actually have a, I won't review it on the show because I, while it's good, I don't know if necessarily it's caliber of beers that we're going to put on, but Southern Tier has this nitro creme brulee stout, and it is phenomenal. It's an imperial, so it's like 11 12%. But it tastes like a butterball shot. Really good. It's in a 12-ounce can, so it's a little bit more of a dessert beer. But that one's phenomenal. But 
Anyway, let's get into this uh, wandering into the fog. It's fitting, too, because I did a little uh, fishing over the weekend, no surprise. And the lake I went to over the weekend, uh, when I went out early enough that it had that sort of fog off the water because the water was warmer than the air temperature, and it looked almost identical to what this game looks like, but it's kind of cool. And you obviously made it back from the lake with the fog that eerily creeped over the water. You know what I mean? You yes. probably heard some... I but did, you made it back, so you you survived the horror film, which you know. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I have a feeling if there was like some movie character who's gonna like try and assassinate you, and you'd be like, yeah. "Bro, I'm trying to fish. Do you, like, do you have do you have a second to talk about this reel? Like, Dude. you can kill me, but but take the reel. That, that character would just be like, I can just picture Jason just looking at you from behind his mask and just be like, I'm over this. But dude, do you look like you're having a nice, I mean, a, a terribly stressful day? I got a couple extra rods here. I got some of these jerk baits. Let's time on and, and catch the bass together. We'll, we'll figure the rest tell of me, this out after. Tell me about all of your all of your bad bad feelings, Jason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very uh, it was very Friday the Thirteenth esque. I was literally by myself in the little middle of nowhere. I hiked down probably a mile and a half down to get to this little fishing hole. But man, it was beautiful. Check out my Instagram and you'll see it on there. But um cheers episode cheers. 31 let's see what we got mm-hmm. going it's good i mean it has all of the normal look and feel from some of the other big bodied you know more popular ipas that i've had uh it's very opaque like you, you can't see through it. it's it got that new england ipa look um has that galaxy sort of bitter that's there that you tend to pick up on beers that are um Double dry hops are overly hopped with Galaxy. It is incredibly smooth, I have to say. Um, even though you can, I mean, the head pour is nice and thick, but it, it feels very smooth uh, with each sip. So that is, I'm pleasantly surprised by that one. I don't want to say I thought it was going to be a bad beer. That's not the case either. But um, yeah, for what that is, I'd say that that's very smooth. Nice little surprise. And drum roll, please. Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm... What's the canning date on that? I know sometimes distribution can get a little crazy. Ah, it's very fresh, too. November 5th. Fresh for distribution beer, obviously. I don't buy into the... If it sits too long, the flavor falls... No, that's... Not typically how that works. It takes well. It is. It is how it works with some beers that rush to production. Um, potentially, like if you're rushing a beer to production, there are things, uh, you know, like final gravity and whatnot that can play into it. But for the most part, an IPA, it, it's canned. As long as they remove the air out of it, there's no living product in there. It, it's not going to fall off in a week. It, 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 it's got a little time. It's fine. Uh, as long as it's not exposed to light, rapid temperature changes, it should hold up pretty well for a few weeks at least. If you're drinking one four months away, might have a different flavor profile than what they originally intended it to have. But as long as it's kept cold, out of light, or at least kept in roughly the same temperature without any light, it'll hold up pretty well. Um, I'll give this one... Hmm... them in my head because i'm like oh i give everything a four at least so <laughs> like the last two beers it, i mean is that good i'll give it a 
I'll give it a three nine. Three nine. I have a little bit of bias still from that Armada Brewing, that triple, which is phenomenal. I just finished the last can of that. Um, this is a phenomenal beer. I, I would buy this again if I saw it on a shelf, but just to just compared to some of the other Galaxy variants we've had, I'm guilty giving it below four because it is a really good beer. But I'll give it a, I'll give it a four. It's got a little bit more of a bitter finish than like a very orange rind, orange peely sort of flavor on the end of it. Um, but yeah, it's good beer. If I if I was at J Tim's and I ordered some wings and I saw that was on the menu, it'd be one that would be in my consideration. So three nine. Three nine there it is. Three nine well, I mean, you know, zero to four round down, five and above round up. So you can call it a three nine, get but out of here with your it's gonna your, be a, it's gonna be a four all day. All get right. Get out of here right. with your ratty ass scoring system. Get out get out of town. Well, you yeah, you're about to see how how this ratty ass scoring system works. Check this out right here. This is called Nothing Was the Same. A collaboration beer between our friends at Vacation Land Brewing and mm. Dancing Gnome out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, funny nice. story about this. I, I've been to um, Dancing Gnome in Pittsburgh twice. Been out there to see a couple Steelers games, um, and the beer out there is amazing. Anyways, um, so I was like shocked. My dad sent me a, this message, this photo message, like like a week back. And he was like, hey, have you ever heard of these guys before? And he, he sent me a photo of the can. And, and you can't see it, but the can looks like the Drake. Like, it's kind of like the Drake album from Nothing Was the oh, Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he was like, yeah, this this is a brewery from Pittsburgh. I was like, dad, you have you got Dancing Gnome in Maine? He's like, yeah, I got it at Bow Street Market in Freeport. And I was like, <laughs> they have Dancing Gnome in Maine? And he was like, yeah, what's the big deal? I'm like, dad, it's from Pittsburgh. Like, they don't distribute it. I'm like, how the hell did this happen? So, of course, shout out to Vacation Land. Went to the IG and that that's where it was. It was just it was just yep. sitting there. It just said we brew this collaboration beer. Um, the the co-founder of Vacation Land is the one that's on the can. Uh, he's wearing a little mask right here. So like it's just super super yeah. cool. So I was like, okay, have to find a way to acquire this. Yep. Newsflash: beer acquired. Very excited to drink this. Cracking this sucker right now. I mean, I really should be listening to some Drake music and like crooning. But, you know, I'm happily married, so I can't really say I have the same relationship issues that Drake does when he writes these songs. But anyways, here yeah. we go. I kept seeing that one and was going to make a play for it and just never did. But I think they're still canning and putting them out, I thought. I thought I'd, I'd seen another run. I could be wrong at that, though. Oh. Okay. First off, this is a four and a half. Out the gate, it's a four and a half. This <laughs> this is amazing. If you have ever got the chance to have any Dancing Gnome beers, I promise you, even though they're like an IPA savant brewery, like they, you will never have like an IPA that really tastes the same. Their triples are just so deceptively smooth and their doubles and singles, like they're all over the place. They're so good. Um, this is fantastic. This, I, I taste like immediate orange rind has like been freshly zested. And I, I mean, call me biased because, you know, shout out to Vacation Land and the whole crew, but whoo. Man, this this has like just enough body to hang on your palate, um, but it's like it's eight percent, and I feel like I could drink this like it was a Miller Light. This is like dangerously good. This yeah, this this is a four and a half off the top. I'm, I'm gonna have to sit here for a minute and just sort of whoo bake this in because my goodness. <laughs> and actually, so it is worth noting that I know the orange rind, that orange peely zest flavor, is something that they shoot for. So 
keep in mind all of our scores are our own opinions like that just isn't my favorite taste in a beer that's all three nine i would say anything three and above is a solid beer anything four and above is an amazing beer uh two and a half is like oh yeah i'll drink it if it's there mm. Mm. well <clears throat> for any of you listening to this podcast I, I encourage you if you don't already go to bow street market in freeport yep. uh you need to i found out about this place uh, the last time i think i was up in maine visiting family and I, it's like a it, it, it kind of looks like a smaller version of like whole foods if whole foods is run by like a main family uh, <laughs> but it reminds me of like one of those little markets that we used to have in washington there's this one called tacoma boys and like they do all their own graphics for the signs uh, with like the big flared lettering and everything and everything is like you know farm fresh and local it is so good and then their craft beer selection at bow street was just amazing uh so yeah shout out to again vacation land and the, and the whole crew and if you're in maine and you live in the greater portland area uh closer to the freeport durham area you need to go to bow street because you're going to get the groceries that you want and then the, the craft beer selection is crazy i mean how are you going to drop dancing gnome it's just like you know this little obscure market in free i don't know how they do it but this is this is great it's it's like a it's like a craft beer scavenger hunt off the off the beaten path love it absolutely love it do uh, if you want to find more beers like this that they're featured in because i know there's a couple more that they have coming up there's a really special one that's coming out um i think today it hit, hit distribution um but you can follow them at the vland main uh, Vacation Land John, Vacation Land Mark, Vacation Land Jim. I think there's a few others, but those are the ones that we're familiar with. But the guy featured on his can is uh, that's at Vacation Land John. Um, but if you have a chance, you got to go go out, find Biff and Bev. Uh, it's an IPA that they put together uh, to honor Corey, who we spoke about a couple weeks ago. Um, every penny spent goes towards his family. So Go out, buy them up as much as you can. Uh, really goes towards a good cause. I have a couple of them coming my way. I'm going to open one up, hopefully on the next episode or maybe the next football recap. Um, I'm not even going to rate it. I'll open it up, talk about it a little bit. Uh, but find it, see it, go get it. Do us a solid. Do Vacation Land a solid. Do their whole fam a, a huge solid. They'll they'll get it. We'll appreciate it. So a little bit goes a long way yes indeed all right yeah i i tend to like this whole uh what's in my cup earlier segment now mm -hmm. i mean that's uh, the pace i think sources have told me that uh this is likely to stay for the foreseeable future uh we'll mm -hmm. have to see what happens with arbitration but we'll have to talk to the producers <laughs> all right let's get into week 10 we'll, we'll recap it start off with thursday night football colts titans look i said that i think the titans made quick work out of a good bears defense yep. um and i i thought that if the uh colts could keep derrick henry to under 100 yards and pick their poisons not named aj brown um maybe one of the teams would get a pick six i thought it was the colts but i thought the titans would win in a nail biter 34 to 31 and well, Tim, if you know anything about me, it's starting off this episode with a big, fat, steaming pile of L's because Derrick Henry had 103 yards and the Titans didn't score a single point in the second half. In the second half, the Titans did not score a single point. Um, but you know, 
The only thing worse than predicting this game wrong was sending Naheem Hines to the waiver wire pregame Thursday night because I wanted to pick another person up who I thought was going to score more points than Naheem Hines. And nope, nope, not a good idea. Naheem Hines, two receiving touchdowns, 20-some-odd fantasy points. I mean, in a way, I sort of blocked anyone else in the league from getting him, so I didn't get those 20 <laughs> points scored against me, but I lost by at least 30. So, I, I, yeah, I really, really could have used those points this week. Um, what a horrible decision by me. But, look, if you would have told me that Deonta Foreman, whose last sighting was with the Houston Texans a couple seasons ago, and Jonu Smith, last sighting on my fantasy bench, would score a passing touchdown, that was Foreman, and a rushing touchdown by a tight end. And a Gaskowski field goal is the only points that were going to be scored in this game by the Titans. I would I would laugh at you. I'd say there's no way. Um, the Titans were absolutely eaten alive by the Colts special teams, who returned a block punt for a touchdown. Gostowski missed another field goal. And at this point, I, I just have to think, look, Steven, you've had a great career. You've been on some Super Bowl winning teams. I appreciate what you're doing in Tennessee. But at this point, I think the only reason he's still on that team is because he knows Mike Vrabel. They're, like any other kicker that would have missed this amount of kicks, I think probably would have been let go before now. Um, I mean, both defenses, they, they did come to play, right? They, they both defense four passes. They tallied at least one sack. But Phillip Rivers threw for 308 yards, and Tannehill threw for 147. So that redemption tour didn't really look that great. I mean, Rivers came out of the game in the fourth quarter, so Jacoby Brisket. <laughs> Biscotti. Biscotti. <laughs> Jacoby Briscotti. <laughs> Jacoby Briscotti. So, so Jacoby Brissett, there we go, could rush for a touchdown, okay? And just, just to put the icing on the cake. Now, I don't know if I'm just being a little biased here, okay? I'm a, we know I'm a Seattle homer, but Jadevian Clowney, he played in this game, didn't register a sack. So that just looks like a better and better deal for Seattle for not paying him. But, oof, starting off with a nail. Here we go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few more of those piled up, but – uh so I have Eagles, Giants. I thought the Giants were going to sneak out a close win if they had no turnovers. If that could happen, they had a solid chance, and they did more than squeak the win out, and they had zero turnovers. So I'm on the other side of this fence. Um, a few of the L's I took this week weren't big L's. They're actually ones. We'll get into it a little a little later, but they're actually ones that uh, I'm I'm willing to take as an L because they were close calls this was this is one i happened to get very right um he's been doing a great job jones has uh in the last two games has shown a little bit of growth i think uh they're trending in the right direction carson wentz had taken over the turnover mantle from jones coming into this game uh, he didn't turn the ball over either which snaps his eight game record um which is weird for the name carson wentz to be associated with that poor of a performance, but uh, he's gotten quite a bit better. Um, there was a little bit more luck on Carson's side as he did fumble the ball twice. The uh, they were just able to recover it both times, so they weren't turnover. So he was flirting with you know a nine game turnover streak, but uh, he did end up uh, dodging that bullet. But Jones overall, he had a very efficient game. He didn't throw a touchdown, but he carried one in himself. He only missed seven of his attempts for the entire day. This is the third time this season that Jones carried the ball for 50-plus yards, putting him right behind Murray and Jackson. So he's had sort of a sneaky running uh, season so far that's kind of flown underneath the radar. What surprises me is that the guy he's tied with currently, as far as games with 50-plus yards, is Cam Newton, which I didn't really see coming into this. I know that hasn't been quite reflective 
uh, since coming off of the COVID outage that he was on. Uh, before that, looked like a superstar. Now, obviously, he's still finding his way. Um, but yeah, I think as long as Jones can continue to kind of move on in this direction, uh, I think it gives them a chance to continue to grow. I still think this is going to end up being a growth season. I don't anticipate them to make much noise. I mean, they're already down. Uh, they're three and seven now on the year, so it's not going to make that much of a difference unless a bunch of other teams fall off. But um, the Eagles, on the other hand, that what a weird division. Even with this loss, they are still in first place. That's how big of a dumpster fire this is. Like they are going to get seated in the playoffs uh, because they're going to be first in their division if if the division continues to trend down this way. Because right now they have one of the worst records in history while maintaining a first spot in the division. So um, that division continues to be a dumpster fire. It's going to be fun to watch as the season drags on just to see how low it goes. Um, they got some stuff to work on. They need to get their shit together. Otherwise, you know, some of those boo birds start coming in a little bit louder when the fans come back and you wonder what starts happening to coaches and, and players and whatnot after that. We will have to see. All right. Green Bay Packers, Jacksonville Jaguars. I said, I'm not a betting man, but I'm taking the over and I'm not a praying man, but I'm praying that the Jacksonville DBs are in there because uh, Devonta Adams will be out there looking like a Lamborghini pack by a touchdown and the pack one. By four points, which is not a touchdown. Okay, uh, I didn't really think this was what, what I would be writing. It was almost like a like a trap game out there. Keelan Cole, he he was probably on your bench if he's not widely available on the waiver wire in your fantasy league. He scored from twelve yards out on a Jay Lutton touchdown pass, and also took a punt return ninety one yards to the house. Uh, okay, absolutely crazy. Aaron Rodgers did run for a score, but the story here was no Devonta Adams for the majority of the game. Marquez Valdez-Scantling went off for 149 yards and a score that came on a trademark Rodgers bomb for 78. Adams had 66 yards, and he scored late in the fourth because he kind of went out with an ankle, then kind of came back in, was a decoy, really caught the game-winning touchdown that, that sent it over the edge. But the running game was all in Jacksonville's favor. James Robinson, 103 yards by himself. Green Bay had four rushers that they used in this game who combined for 80 yards. Now, both quarterbacks coughed it up. And look, if Lutton doesn't get sacked a couple times, you have to wonder if the Jags could have pulled this one out. But the Pack got it done in Green Bay. A win is a win. I'll give you the uh, the by a touchdown because if we're on a 1-10 to 10 scale and four and below, you round down. The halfway mark, three and a half. Four. It's over. We're rounding up. It's a touchdown. You're good. <laughs> Mats, we're good at him here. Uh, <clears throat> so I had the football team and the Lions. Um, I thought this one could be a toss-up. If Alex came in and played like a veteran, he showed a little rust last week, he might be able to shake some of that rust off. It could win. Um, I did think the Lions would win. I thought it could be lopsided. Um, Turns out not only was it not lopsided, but it actually came down to the wire. Uh, Alex played his ass off, though, in his first game as a starter in 728 days. Came back from a gruesome injury, which was a surprise to all of us this season. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, go check out the E60 documentary. It's amazing what he's come back from. Uh, it seemed like a broken bone that turned into a much, much, much more complicated issue. Um, I won't give any of it away. 
uh maybe don't watch it before you eat your dinner uh there are some some tough scenes in there because they do show some of what happened but to see that and then to see how he played uh it's remarkable i don't care if he won if he didn't win he went out and had a really gutsy performance um thought out i thought if he did come out and play well they could squeak this out and what it ended up coming down to was a heartbreaking loss everyone seemed to be pulling for him not just me at home but you kind of got the feel everybody watching was you know regardless of who you were a fan of was pulling for the guy himself to go out and do well but detroit's matt prater absolutely nailed a 59 yard field goal that would have been good from even further back as time expired and just sort of looked they they panned to to smith on sidelines sort of dropping his head a little bit but i think there's a lot to take away Uh, that was one of the longest ever field goals as time expired so that doesn't really happen they should have it should have been tied it should have gone into overtime should have given him a better chance but uh some of this comes down to stafford just seeming to have washington's number they moved to five and oh in his career um but I mean, I can't stop gushing about Smith. He was 38 for 55. He had 390 yards. He had zero turnovers this week, which is a pretty big difference between last week where he had three interceptions on the day. I thought he had a little rest going into it, and he might be able to turn around with uh, a few more reps, and that seems to be uh, exactly what happened. He bounced back really well here. He found eight different receivers. Seven of them were in double digits. So finding guys putting the ball out there. He played better than some of the veteran quarterbacks we're going to talk about, you know, as the day goes on. Sorry, Sam. Um, he didn't have any touchdowns, <laughs> uh, but his passing kept the defense honest. Uh, all three of the touchdowns came by way of a run and it only took 89 yards to get those three touchdowns. So Stafford was pretty efficient. He only missed nine attempts. He had three touchdowns. So it was another good outing for Detroit. Um, I'd be curious to see what Washington's move going forward is going to be. If they're going to go back to Allen or if Smith keeps this up, they continue to get him more reps and to let him try. I mean, you'd, you'd feel bad for Allen, but you you, you kind of, I mean, you don't owe anybody anything, but you almost owe it to Smith for fighting his way back, getting on there, showing what he can do. Uh, you know, it's Allen's team going forward. I mean, he's he's their future, so you don't know if you want to necessarily backtrack. Smith probably doesn't have too many more years left. I mean, he's in his mid-30s, mid to late 30s. Uh, but it was Detroit, so let's not get too crazy. Uh, it was still a solid outing, another solid outing by Stafford. Um, both of these teams could make it somewhat interesting as we kind of move along this season here, but Moral of the story, I'm here for Smith. I kind of want to see him too well. Uh, and if he continues on this path over the next few games, I think this could be a pretty fun season just just to watch him. Just absolutely insane <clears throat> fantasy advice for you. J.D. McKissick, pass-catching mm-hmm. running back. They're splitting the duties between Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick because nobody can figure out how to stop them. Yeah. Ron Rivera is like, back when I can go with two. I mean, mm-hmm. for Alex Smith to, to toss it. 50 times for almost 400 yards. It was great to see that little little ticker at the bottom this weekend with all the NFL games, like passing leaders, like to see Alex Smith as a passing leader when there yeah. are other quarterbacks that have been going out and having career-wise games. Like, oh, yeah, yep. here, here for cool. it, 100%. Cool. All right, Texans-Browns. Look, I said the, the Texans barely got by the Jags, so uh, they might have found something and they got to start building, but I, I thought that the Browns could give them a good fight. 
And I said maybe Texas by a field goal. <laughs> okay. Maybe Bill O'Brien wasn't the total issue in Houston. Okay. Because the, Dex- the Texans had no response whatsoever for Kareem Hunt or the return mm-hmm. from IR Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. who both went over 100 yards. In fact, the craziest thing was that 59-yard run Nick Chubb had, and then he stepped out of bounds, unlike Devonta Freeman a few weeks ago for the Atlanta Falcons. He stepped out at the one to run out the clock, and the Browns won this game 10-7. to um, The Texans might have tied this game at 10, at 10 all if Kareem Fairburn didn't miss a field goal. But let's take the stock here. If you would have told me that Deshaun Watson threw for more yards than Baker Mayfield in this game, I would have been like, oh, yeah, the Browns are just being the Browns. They reverted. They finally went back. But this is not the case. Cleveland had the only points of this game for the first three quarters, and that is not a typo. You can go back and look at the box score. Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller and the Houston Texans had zero points for 45 minutes in this game. Um, You just don't expect that kind of stuff to be written because – a Deshaun Jackson-led team should score points. Um, and now I feel like even though we gave Baker a lot of shit for having more commercials than he did wins, he's got yep. six now. So um, while that's on brand for 2020, the Browns yep. also have as many wins as seven other squads. So we we got to we gotta stop with that. Like, we, we got to give Baker the credit where it's due. Um, the Browns are firmly in the wild card race. Yep. And I got that, that is about the most 2020 thing that you could really think of. Like, the Browns. Yeah. And I gotta, I will give Baker some credit. Uh, I also have to give a little credit to my wife, uh, who beat me in fantasy this week. Um, Ooh, yeah, she, this is this is her first season playing fantasy, so we're you know, there's some outside interference that I will not name on this podcast. Uh, but I I made some suggestions. Her father-in-law made a couple suggestions. Um, she had Chubb on her bench, and she had Hunt in her lineup, and I was like, hey consider starting chubb over hunt uh made the move she talked to her dad a little bit later in the day they ended up making another move and i and we then i realized <laughs> we're playing against each other and when i looked down i was like all right look i love you we're playing against each other i might consider making this change because you have two running backs for the same team one of them is probably gonna do well the other one not so much and uh and then they both did great <laughs> they both balled out uh and i lost i lost that's uh, called hubris my friend yeah i oh, lost that's uh, i great. lost because my defense needed like three more points and that didn't that didn't happen uh oh, so anyway that's a bummer that's a bummer yeah, yeah, yeah. look shout out to, look, shout out to my web car yeah shout I'll out get you next i'll get you next time <laughs> yeah, you run you run out of weeks fast to do that. So yeah, hope, yeah, hope yeah, you get yeah. another matchup. Look, this is a crazy thing. The Browns are firmly in the wild card race. The Browns. The Browns are firmly in the wild card race. Okay. Yes. And that looks like because head coach Devin, Kevin Stefanski is really making things happen. And now with the way the Vikings have been struggling, I can't help but wonder if he was the one making things happen behind the scenes there, too, because the Browns seem to be firing on all cylinders. The Browns. This is a mm. team that had one win last year, and there was a Bud Light celebration with free Bud Light for people in Cleveland. And now they might just mess around and make it to the wild card. Buccaneers, Panthers. When I said Buccaneers, I think you gave out a resounding like, oh, and uh, this is quite the bounce back game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I got to stop here. There's there's a, an avid listener to this podcast who trolls me a lot. His name is Stats Do Matter uh, in our fantasy league. And uh, we played this week, and he had Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, hmm. DJ Moore, 
Rob Gronkowski, and Joey yeah. Sly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost, needless to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good for that man. Good for that man. Uh, quite a bounce back game for Tommy Boy and company. Uh, this was the best start through 10 games since 2010 um, for the Buccaneers, which is insane. Obviously, you wonder how much Tom Brady has to do with that, how much uh, the assembling of the Avengers down there also has to do with that. That's, you know, got to be part of it. Tampa has put together a great roster, but the fact that here we are, 2020, 10 years later, and they're finally figuring it out, same year they get Tom Brady. I think it's time to start checking that discussion that Tom Brady is uh, a system quarterback because whatever system he's in seems to be working with. Uh, the total offensive output for this game was also bananas, 544 yards total. Tom put up a ton of it himself. He had 341 yards. He missed only 10 of his 39 attempts, three touchdowns, no turnovers. He had a rushing touchdown of his own. Uh, that's a pretty impressive outing. Brown continued to get more involved. Everyone kind of had questions as to what that was going to look like with uh, Godwin and everybody else there. Uh, Evans, whether or not he was going to find a place to get some uh, get some touches. And each game, he's been working in a little bit more and more. He had the second most targets. He had eight for 69 yards total. Second only to Chris Goodwin in yardage. Uh, Gronk also is coming up with another TD and becoming another one of those threats that you have to pay attention to again because he's, it's not just little five yards in and out. He's getting some some longer yardage as well. Um, I like what the Bucks are doing. Feels very much like the Patriots did throughout Brady's time there, and you wonder how much of this kind of spills over. But it seems like each week they feature a different offensive player who becomes their main target or their main focus. It's not the same week in and week out. You saw the first couple of weeks with Gronkowski getting almost nothing, and then suddenly over the next couple of weeks, boom, there he is. Now he's the target. And then again, he kind of not falls back into obscurity, but he's not a major part of the game plan. I think he finished with maybe 38 yards, only a couple targets on the day. But we all know in another two or three weeks, he's going to be a, a prime part of that game plan. Whether or not they go into that with that mindset, that I don't know. But if it is, it's working because it's really hard to scheme against a team where you have no idea who's going to be the target of that day, who you're supposed to double team. You double team someone because they put up 80 yards last week, 120 yards. Then you got someone like Brown who comes in. Everyone thought was going to be like a slow start and he puts up, you know, 70 yards on you. So, I think it's going to get uh, a little crazy. Um, Brown is being a, the biggest surprise for me on the season, despite the news that broke that he had some trouble in Miami already before the start of the season that they didn't mm -hmm. know about. They mm -hmm. set some expectations. Supposedly everything was amicably resolved and the camera was fixed. I don't know what happened to the bike that was thrown, but apparently he's not totally out of the woods yet with some of his, you know, temper and behavioral stuff. But, um, Bridgewater did go down in the fourth with a knee injury. He was off to a decent start. He completed 13 of his first passing attempts in a row, which is the best he's had in a very long time. But it was downhill after that. Uh, even before the injury, he only completed three more passes. And again, he went down in the fourth, mind you. So he completed his first 13 passes and then only completed three more after that. He had 24 attempts total, uh, and he tossed a pick. So uh, whether or not he had an underlying issue elsewhere, 
you don't know um but not his best outing uh hopefully it's nothing serious he should be able to bounce right back um uh, but tough loss for them another great game for the buck i keep wanting to call it the patriots just because you know you got brown gronk <laughs> and, and brady now uh but a uh another great start for them i think they are going to be you know other than the saints who kicked their ass twice um they are a serious, serious team, which I don't think anybody gave them any sort of credence until maybe next year, thinking this was going to be a development year. Uh, you got to watch out for these guys. They can put up numbers quick. And now we're into the 4 o'clock, uh, or as I like to call the Tim Sandwich. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Chargers, Dolphins. The Dolphins have won five straight for the first time since 2000. And 16. So Florida is having themselves a season this year, just across the board. Everyone's doing well. Um, but I think all the criticism that came with Tua and his move to the starting position is dying quickly if it hasn't already. Uh, he only put up about 116, 169 yards in 15 completions, but he had two touchdowns. Uh, in fact, both sides of the ball had very quiet days offensively compared to what we've kind of grown accustomed to this season. I remember when. 180 yards was a decent game for a quarterback. Now, anytime they're below 200, you're like, meh. Um, Justin Herbert was 20 of 32. He had 187 yards himself. He had two of his own, um, along with a pick. But overall, there wasn't a lot of action in this game. It was, however, another heartbreaking loss for the Chargers. This is one to kind of keep your eye on because all seven of their losses have come from one possession. Like everyone they've lost, they've lost from uh, seven or less points this, uh, or eight or less points, I guess, because you could consider a two point conversion. Um, but they've all come from eight points or less. They're two and seven on the season. And when you have that many games that are so close, it has to start weighing over you mentally as you go into each game. You're always thinking, like, oh, I have a chance. Here we are. But it starts to creep in your mind where, okay, we've been here time and time again, and we keep losing one of these. So they got to start taking a few risks. They got to find ways to turn this around and start pulling out some of these really close games. Otherwise, I mean, at this point, as you said earlier, there's seven other teams who have, what is it, six and two, six and three records, uh, seven and two records. They're not out of it, but they're they're getting there. So at this point, Start taking some moral victories. Start taking some risks. Sort of see what you got out there. A hundred percent. And uh, Austin Eckler, please come back from IR. My fantasy team needs you so much. Uh, he's, close. he's close. I know. Did you, did you see the video he posted of himself running wind sprints the other day? Yeah, and he even for, said. For the commissioners? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, for all my fantasy fans out there, I'm close. I'm coming back. I was like, yo, don't do my heart like this. I can't handle this. All yeah. right. Broncos, Raiders. Look, I said the Raiders are good. You got gritty, ugly wins. You got a victory against the Chiefs. We got to take them seriously. Um, but I thought that the Broncos, who have been able to score back-to-back weeks and almost win games by putting up 20 points in the fourth quarter, of what those games could make it interessante. But I didn't think that that was going to happen here. I thought that the Raiders could eke out another divisional victory here, and I predicted 28-24. I know, Tim, that we've been on the fence about whether to say the Raiders are a good team or not. I'm here to tell you, the debate is over. O-V-A-O-V-A. The Raiders are a good team, okay? They hung 25 on the Broncos. 25. Uh, golly. I'm beginning to think that this Raiders team, after making it through 
a, a relatively rough and pretty difficult start to their season against teams like the Patriots and the Chiefs. Um, I, I think they could go like all the way to the divisional round in the playoffs. They might even sneak into the conference game if they keep this up. Now their run game, who in years past was just anchored by Josh Jacobs and now as Devontae Booker, they ran a mock all over Vic Fangio's squad. Now, of course, Denver has a ton of injuries, but that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to beat up on teams that are subpar. The Broncos had no answer whatsoever for both Devontae Booker and Josh Jacobs. They both had long runs of 20-plus yards and a score, and they both went over 100. Now, Drew Locke had seven receivers with double-digit yardage, but not a single one of them had more than four catches. So when you when you do that, you're just dinking and dunking, and you're not connecting, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't really matter. Derek Carr played mistake-free football. He threw for 100 less yards than Drew Locke, but the Raiders defense got four, four interceptions. Mm. Um, and, almost had a, and almost had a fumble. Almost yeah. had a fumble recovery. That, that spelled absolute disaster for those Broncos. Uh, look, the Raiders are back, baby, and the autumn wind is a Raider. I'm going to continue <laughs> to say that. All right, all right. Uh, <clears throat> Bills, Cardinals. I said a close call. Bills win. Defense's ability to keep the quarterbacks in check versus the strengths of victory <laughs> and running. Uh, maybe some overtime. <laughs> Man. All right. So each week so far, except maybe I think it was like eight or nine, I've made a pick that I can look back on and say like, yep, nailed it. And I think this was actually one of those games, even though the end result wasn't a victory for the Bills because I feel pretty good about this one. I do feel pretty good. It was not only very close, but it literally came down to the very, very last play. Unless you've lived under a rock, haven't turned your TV on, haven't listened to sports radio, uh, you know how that game ended. You know how close it was. Murray putting up an Aaron Rodgers-style Hail Mary into the end zone in which Hopkins was able to get up in the middle of three defenders to make that catch. It was a finish to what was generally a pretty exciting game. I don't know when defenses are going to start learning that. Stop trying to catch the ball in the end zone during a Hail Mary. All six hands in there should have been punching the ball midair and just knocking it wherever it had to go. Stop going for an interception. You had your hands on the ball. You had your hands. They just weren't as strong or in as good a position as Hopkins was. But if any one of you hits a tip of that ball before it even got to him, the likelihood of someone catching the rebound or the bounce is so small that you run a much, much higher risk by trying to catch it. You've seen this a lot. Rodgers did this. Rodgers was actually the last person. I just drew that comparison, but he was the last one to make anything that was like this. But you thought the Bills were going to win. They had a late drive pass to Diggs for a TD that you thought sealed deal. And I was, here it is. Call this one right. Uh, just to have Kyler march down a portion of the field. It wasn't even like he had to go all the way downfield and bomb it into the end zone. Um, neither side either really contained the running ability of either quarterback. Allen had 40 yards himself. He uh, also had a receiving touchdown. Uh, but Murray... He had his own 61-yard running game. He had two touchdowns on 11 attempts with his longest being 28 yards. So, like, it's in order to make that happen, teams need to figure out ways to stop the ability 
of that man to get out of the pocket and run downfield because he has 10 on the season. That's most by a quarterback since 2015. Hopkins, though, he carried the brunt of the offense here. He had 127 yards. He had four, including the 43-yard Hail Mary at the end of the game. I mean, they're two young quarterbacks. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch as this season goes on. But if teams want to get out and make moves against the Cardinals or prevent them from running all over you, you got to figure out a way to contain him. You got to push, you got to close the outsides, push him towards the middle, and take some of the run out of it because he can throw the ball wherever he wants at any point. So mix that with the ability to duck and dive for 28 yards is. You know, we've seen it every year whenever the new flashy toy comes in until they figure it out. Um, it's going to continue to happen. He's small. He's he's small comparatively to the rest of the league, but uh, he's elusive. So until they figure that out, we're going to continue to talk about games just like this one. It was something else. Uh, the game gloves that uh, DeAndre Hopkins wore are yep. going online for a potential auction bet of $2.3 million. Who gets that money? Does he get that money, or is it like a fundraiser? Or did he throw it to the stands? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I just saw it right before we started on on the tweet sphere that uh, Darren Ravel said that you know sports playbooks have the, <laughs> the estimated value of that of those gloves that he wore. Uh, they were Jumpman gloves. I think that's probably what it is. But hmm. uh, they're, they're valued at two point two three million. And DeAndre sure. Hopkins for for his own efficacy, you know, tweeted the uh, the eye emoji. So. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make that money. Someone's going to make that money. All right. Yeah. That was a fantastic throw, though. Yeah. It was, I'm absolutely. That was, yeah. Just, you saw that coming, and it's so frustrating as a fan to watch that because you're like, okay, batter out of the air. We're good. Every mm-hmm. single time someone tries to be a superstar and make the catch to have the game winning interception, just go up and punch the shit out of that ball as it's coming down. And I maybe mean, run the risk of someone 20 yards away catching it because you punched it so hard. Oh, yeah, but that, then you give it up while three people are there and you're just hoping that one guy gets it. As long, what does the rule say? As long as you turn your head towards the ball and you make a play, it's not defensive pass interference. So, what are you worried about? <laughs> Don't run yeah. into the player, jump up and do something. Absolutely yeah. crazy. All right. Yeah. 49er Saints. Look, I said the Saints are finally getting right. And if Richard Sherman can't make it back for this game, Michael Thomas is going to get right and bounce back, but I don't think there's enough Nick Mullins could do to slow down the Saints who could win this one easily. And Richard Sherman did not come back for this game. And Nick Mullins did not do enough to stop the Saints from marching on by 14. And the Saints won 27 to 13. I'll see what you did there. Yeah. All right. Anyways, look, Michael Thomas, non factor in this game. No. And I. If you drafted him high in fantasy, you're probably seething with rage. But yes, uh, I am. Actually, I, I am. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you here. Um, I just don't understand how teams have ten weeks of film and zero ways to stop Alvin Kamara from wrecking them, because he had three touchdowns in this game. And if you played fantasy this year, you likely got Alvin Kamara with like the third or the fourth pick which is returning absolute number one or number two fantasy value for you right now. Um, it's absolutely insane. He had three touchdowns in this game. San Francisco shot out to a 10-0 lead, but they wouldn't score any more points in this game until six minutes to go. The Saints special teams tore up the Niners on kick returns. And th- to be honest, there wasn't like a need to toss a bunch of passes when Mullins 
gave the Saints two interceptions, and Richie James coughed up a fumble. Now, Drew Brees did lead this game, which which was diagnosed after the fact as cracked ribs and a collapsed mm. lung. And they think that he suffered those cracked ribs last week in the game against the Buccaneers. This is a kick in the pants to a Saints squad that wanted to make big waves this year that everyone was sort of talking about, hey, are they still going to make it? Are they still going to be good enough to make it to the conference championship? Is this Saints team still good? Look, Brees is out a minimum of three weeks. So now we're going to see if Taysom Hill is really worth $21 million. Uh, Jameis Winston came in this game, and he, and he played back up. They were able to score a touchdown. Uh, one thing's for certain, the Saints defense is going to have to keep this team afloat. This yeah. is not the way they wanted this game to go. Uh, quick shout-out to Michael Thomas. I get it, injuries, fantasy, not important. Whatever. Uh, dude, I lost the league I have him in by three points. You want to know why I lost? Because that man was slated for 19 points, and guess how many points he got me? I think like six, right? 4.7. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The only person on my team that scored less than he did uh, was uh, Austin Hooper, who has also done nothing. Yeah, uh, I made that mistake so, too because I had Travis Kelsey on a buy. So I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of big time mistakes, sorry, Sam, you might want to mute uh, this one. Muting. You might want to go Don't grab mute. yourself a beer. Uh, <clears throat> the Russ Soup Kitchen not only was open this week. But it sure was in the holiday spirit because he was just giving gifts away to everyone. Uh, here's an unfortunate stat. Three of the last four games, he has had at least three turnovers and a total of 13 this season. So the Rams seem to have figured out the Russell Wilson puzzle because they have beat him more than any other team that he's faced including back in 2019, which he also did not score a touchdown. So uh, Ramsey seems to have managed to keep Metcalf at bay. Um, but part of me wonders if Wilson was just having a hard time getting reads that game. Uh, he was sacked six times. He lost a total of 28 yards, two sacks. So there was definitely something there, whether it was the game plan on L.A., uh, they were definitely bringing the pressure. Again, they seem to have his numbers, so they seems there seems to be ways that they're kind of figuring this thing out against, if nobody else, at least against Russell Wilson. Um, but Goff's outing was pretty solid. He's been back and forth depending on the weekend, but it was a good one for him. He had 302 yards. He had 27 completions, and more than a handful of guys on the team had double digits. It is a little weird for me to think that Seattle's biggest strength, or one of its biggest strengths, is also currently one of its biggest liabilities. And it hurts me, sorry, Sam, just to say that, because unfortunately, it is. You've given the ball up 13 times. That's not counting the times where he's dropped the ball and they've been able to recover, or a couple games where he's thrown picks that have landed in the hands of defenders and they just couldn't catch the ball because realistically in the games that i've watched he should be closer to maybe like 17 to 18 turnovers because there's several games where he had picks that just got dropped they were clear defenders either outplayed the the receivers or they put themselves in better positions or it was just a bad throw where they hadn't dropped it so 
could be a lot more than 13 on the season, but it is awkward to say, or it is odd for me to say, because we were talking about him being the MVP of the, the league this year. To have him be one of the bigger liabilities on that team is tough. Any Imagine any other offensive player that turned the ball over 13 times. Imagine if any receiver or any any running back turned the ball over 13 times on a fumble. It would have been benched so hard. You're obviously not, let's be clear, you're not going to bench Russell Wilson. But it is a strange dynamic between the all-star play that he's making and then the complete lack of awareness that he's showing sometimes with these turnovers. So I have been uh, thankfully on mute this entire time. And uh, if you've wondered why Tim has maybe had a, a staccato or a really methodical um, reading of that game is because I've been absolutely losing my mind over here. Um, I did go through the five stages of grief. So what I will say is this six times Sean McVay has played Pete Carroll. He's four and two. And to be honest, his other two losses uh, came on a Cooper Cup drop touchdown in the end zone and a missed field goal. So, really, by all rights, Sean McVay is six and oh. It's uh, infuriating. And there's no reason why a team in the division should have your number like that. You play them twice a year. Aaron Donald is not getting any younger, he's getting better. Although, to, to draw a comparison, we could look at the. Uh... Pat's Dolphins and how every year the Dolphins other than this year seem to be perennial losers like they just they they don't have great teams they show flashes sometimes but ultimately they come out short every single season they play against the Patriots and we all know how dominant the Patriots have been there has always been at least one close game against the Patriots if not a loss so yeah I mean I'm very happy that there was no passing touchdown by Jared Goff in this game yeah. uh, I expected this game to go over 30s apiece for them to lose, it's, uh, you know, 16 to 23. Cool. <laughs> I guess. I mean, there, there is just so many things I could be down in the dumps about. Um, Russ has more turnovers this year than he did all of last year. And he's halfway through the season. Um, I mean, can I get a it's, quick stat check on, on how many, uh, uh, how many the giants have? No, no stats don't matter. And Daniel Jones probably has less than Russell Wilson. That's what you're going to say. I know you're baiting me into this. <laughs> this, this is, this is the, this is the, this is the people who who like don't watch football who go, oh look, you let Russ cook. That means he's throwing all these turnovers. Da, 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 da. I mean, there are so many things to take from this game. Two cornerbacks didn't start. Two running backs. The, the team's first two running backs did not start. There has just been so much. This is the thing. Seattle usually kind of comes out 500 before they're by, and then they put it together and they go on a streak. I like to call it streaking. Uh, and they'll, they'll win five or like the last six or whatever. Uh, unfortunately, Seattle won the first five and then decided to forget what they were doing uh, when they came out of the bye, and they're, they're one in three since then. Uh, yep. Absolutely terrible to watch this game. I knew um, when Russ lofted in through that pick when he could have run for the first down, they could have scored points there. Um, the defense is doing, I think, what it needs to do to get better. But my goodness, this was this was terrible. And I, I think, on a short week now to face the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night football is is really uh, <clears throat> pucker clenching. That's what I will say. So, for anybody who's wondering, uh, they're currently tied. Stats don't matter. Daniel Jones. Stats do not matter. And Russell Wilson. Stats are do currently not matter. Tied 
Stats do not matter. They've had for 2020. Stats do not matter. <laughs> Stats <laughs> do not matter. <laughs> but uh, guess who hasn't had a turnover in the last two games? <sighs> Probably Daniel Jones. Yeah, that would be, that'd, that'd be mm. accurate. All right. Anyway, carry on, sir. Carry oh, on. Interesting. Okay, let's move on. Bengals Steelers. Look, I said Big Ben, you know, he was on the COVID-19 reserve list. He's quarantining for at least five days. That rest is probably going to help him. Uh, if Big Ben didn't play, I, I thought maybe the Steelers could drop their first game. But if he does, I, I think they they go 9-0. I'm a okay. huge fan of hashtag let Joey roar, but that Steelers defense is too legit to quit. Big Ben did play this game, and the Steelers defense is still too legit to quit. The Steel Curtain is rising again, y'all. They hung 26 on the Bengals. They were starting off by a pair of field goals, and then it was off to the races with touchdowns. Two touchdowns to Chase Claypool on my bench because I started Travis Fulgham over him against the Giants. What an idiot I was. Uh, One to Juju, one to Deontay Johnson, who had almost 100-plus yards. I'm telling you, that rest for Ben helped here so much that he asked Mike Tomlin this week if he could take five days off and just show up to practice on Thursday or Friday. Uh, 330 yards, four scores. That's nearly impossible to beat if you if you can't keep up. And Burroughs was sacked four times, and anyone not named T. Higgins was not doing any catching of the football on Sunday. Uh, it's almost as if the Steelers' defense knew that, and they said, please beat us with T. Higgins, uh, because they just continue to allow him to catch all the targets just because. Now, the Bengals were without Joe Mixon again, and even with four separate rushers, Samaje P. Ryan is not a name that would make Robert Spillane or T.J. Watt Shaking their cleats. So, you know, if I'm looking at the rest of the Steelers' schedule, I got to think that they're going to get the number one seed. They're 9-0 right now. Kansas City's 8-1. They're going to have to go through somewhat of a collapse. Um, the only games that I think they have a chance of losing are two. The second game against the Ravens on Thanksgiving and the Bills. That's it. 14-2. and two. I think that's what this team at a floor is capable of because outside of those two games, they should make easy work of the Colts, Jaguars, Giants, Bengals, and Browns. I mean, Mike Tomlin deserves a ton of credit for the coaching job that he's done in the past seasons, but he absolutely deserves coach of the year for what they're doing right now. I mean, unless they fail miserably down the stretch, I think it's a two-way tie for coach of the year between Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin. It's going to be hard to vote against Tomlin because what he's done with his team is just stunning. I will say I have a... Uh... Juju on my bench this week because he's been so inconsistent. So that one definitely hurt uh, a little bit. That one, that one was tough. So mm. out of sympathy, uh, f words to give you here. <laughs> uh, all right. So I have Ravens and Patriots the eight twenty game. Uh, I thought the Ravens and this was going to get out of hand. Um, not what happened. I was off, but I ain't mad at it. So Bill, the Bills continue, or not the Bills, Bill Belichick continues to be the mastermind behind some of the best game planning in all of football. Uh, his players are able to go out and perform, do their job. It's impressive what he's been able to do over the last few years. Uh, I thought this one for sure was going to be sort of a statement game from Lamar, being able to come back in, make some adjustments and really put up some points on a team that's kind of struggling to find themselves uh, and has just been struggling in general as of late. Uh, but now before we go back, 
raising the New England is back flag. Lamar hasn't looked stellar, like we just said. Uh, he has three games this season where he's got a QBR of 50 or lower, or in the 50s or lower, I think is it's like 57, 54, and 48, I think. Um, but they did show some of the prototypical bend but don't break defensive mindset that they have had. Uh, Lamar only missed 10. He had 34 attempts. He put up 249 points, but they didn't give up a single rushing touchdown on the entire day. So it was one of those where they kind of came out. We're going to let you put up points. Uh, we're going to let you put up yardage, but we're not going to let you beat us deep. We're not going to let you run it down our throats either. So give him a little bit of room, make some passes, stop, get the ball. Um, Jacoby Myers, though. Guess what his QBR rating for the day was? I know you can see my points. It's uh, 158.3. Uh, <laughs> he went one for one with a beautiful 24-yard touchdown pass. So that was fun to watch. A little Philly-Philly almost. But, you know, Jacoby Myers was a high school quarterback that was converted to wide receiver in college. Kind of hated it. Got him to the NFL, so I don't think you can hate it that much now. Um, but... Cam had a decent, albeit quiet, passing game. Uh, missed only four of his 17 attempts. Only needed 118 yards because this one was all passing for field position and then running the ball. Um, Damian Harris had a 20, had 121 yards himself. Uh, Cam putting up 21 and a TD by himself. I mean, it was a great outing for the Patriots in a home game where they were the underdog for the first time in a long time. Um, Hopefully this this can potentially be a turning point for that team. I think they can use this, find some some benefits from the game and and kind of take away some of the positives that were there. Um, I think they got to figure out some of this inconsistency because week in and week out, it's it's not the same looking team. This is a great looking team. It was a hurricane. The wind was sideways. It got worse as the game went on, but didn't seem to matter. Didn't seem to matter. They 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 kind of showed that they can pass the ball when they need to, but maybe some of it's not trusting Cam in his arm quite as much going into this game. Mixed with the weather, they decided let's put the ball on the ground and just run it as much as we can. Uh, but it was a good looking win. A couple turnovers. Um, but all in all, it was a uh, it was a fun one to watch. I think one of the craziest things about this game was not that it was played in a practical New England monsoon. Which I mean, again, we're in. November. So it was probably like 40 to 50 degrees. And I think we all know that a, a good 40 to 50 degree rain stings um, and is super annoying because you'd rather just be cold and get snow rather than play in outright like driving rain. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a relatively quick game, quick game, I think. And I think you learned a lot about how deep the Patriots are. Like I think, I think this is the floor for them. I think they can pick themselves off it and, and continue to come back up here. There's a lot more questions about the Ravens because clearly they should have won that game. But um, there, there was something this week on on the Twitter sphere about all the nicknames that um, that Cam has for all the players um, to include the special teams. The kicker he called kicker guy, <laughs> the punter he called punter guy, and the long snapper he called like holder guy or something like that. Like he has funny names for the uh the folks in the new england media 
um, like WEI who like who interview him and he calls into radio shows every week. Um, basically, what Cam was in Charlotte, Cam is being in New England, and uh, it's quite fascinating to see that um, that they're getting here. I mean, if they'd won a few more games earlier, you would say, "Oh, yeah, this is exactly what it's supposed to be." But uh, my goodness, this it, this is a nice turnaround, I think. Yeah, agreed. All right, and we'll finish up week ten with Monday Night Football. Vikings Bears. I said, look, I, I think that uh, I, I trust Kirk Cousins finally getting his act together more than I do Nick Foles breaking out. And it's going to be a you like that for this game in primetime to close out week 10 by seven. And looky here, Dalvin Cook didn't score you 40 fantasy points this week. So you might have won if you faced him. Uh, Kirk Cousins did get his act together 25 for 36, 292 yards, 8.1 per attempt. Uh, and it was all the Adam Thielen show on touchdowns and all Justin Jefferson on the air, 146 yards, and the Vikings won by six. So very close to my prediction, uh, but that was because they decided to go for two and they missed it. So I, I, well, I was right there. Um, on third down against the Bears, Vikings 10 for 11. 10 for 11. Like, Matt Nagy, you're supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, and you got shredded by the the – a, a Mike Zimmer led offense. I, that, that doesn't make sense because he's supposed to be a defensive minded guru, but it finally is beginning to click here. I think the bears did try and make things tight. They had a 104 yard kickoff return touchdown by Cordero Patterson. It was his revenge game, but he was also leading rushers for the bears with 30 yards. I mean, mm. that's not good. Nick Foles had an absolutely terrible TRBL, terrible outing 15 for 26, 106 yards in the pick. I mean, we're being honest. The Bears are in free fall right now, and it was on full display Monday night. Very bad for us if we were watching it, and I got to be honest, I was watching it on my phone because the semifinals of Dancing with the Stars were more than this game was. Uh, I, I want to know what's going on with this team because the monsters of the midway look to be toothless monsters lately, and um, on offense, it's not getting any better at all, and that's just surprising because I thought you made the move from Trubisky Two foals because you thought it, it was going to benefit the offense. The Bears are now five and five. They have a slim one game lead over the Vikings. Okay. But there's still another game for them to play in the season. So ostensibly, the Vikings could sweep them and then hopscotch them and go to number two in the NFC North. And I trust the Vikings to do that, to sneak into the, the number two spot in the NFC North, which would maybe give them a shot at a wild card. And that was not something I would have predicted weeks ago when they were absolutely imploding. So you have to credit the Vikings because they got right. But the Bears, the Bears, what are y'all doing? I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Nick Foles, uh, the knight in shining armor. That he ain't. That he ain't. All right. We are going to rapid fire through the week 11 games. Just. We can keep your attention because I know you've been listening for a while. So I'm going to kick it off. I got uh, the Thursday night game. I got Cardinals and I got the Seahawks. And I got to say, I don't know about this one. I don't know about this one. At the start of the season. The last three games and they've gone one and two in those times. So I'm blaming you, uh, which is why I gave you this. Because I want, I'm, I'm testing this the scientific theory and this hypothesis I have in my head. Yeah, that you're yeah, the reason yeah. why they're losing. Because I'm doing everything superstitiously that I need to do. We're in the same jersey, <laughs> wearing a backwards hat, drinking a beer, standing in the same spot, doing everything I possibly can, tagging them on Facebook. I'm doing everything I need to do as a 12. So it's you because you're the one previewing these games. So preview 
preview oh, wisely, my friend. You're doing all that from a new house. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe you're the mojo that's thrown off. Maybe you got to go back to the old house. <laughs> no, I, I can't be like, I can't knock on the, on the apartment complex door and be like, can I, can I move back in, please? Tip. Just, this is just why, for the next this eight is, weeks. <laughs> this is why you don't move mid-football season. This is your fault, not mine. When, when did they lose? They're, they're six and three. How many of the last few games have they lost since you moved? Uh, we moved here at the beginning of October. So they were on a bye, and then they went one and three. So the first week was good. So this is, I'm telling this you, you've been pre. It's you. It's you, homeboy. It's not me. It's you. This is why. That's why we're breaking up on the Seahawks. Right. You know. <laughs> All right then. Uh, you're not gonna like this because I was gonna say I thought the Seahawks were gonna come back and uh, they were gonna take this one because you know there's no chance they're gonna go down like that. But um, because my gut clearly has been wrong and I'm I'm jinxing them. I'm gonna go Cardinals this one, uh, and I'm gonna go more more of those turnovers uh, from. Your boy, the soup kitchen is alive and well. Thanksgiving's coming up. People are in the, the giving Christmas spirit. Uh, <laughs> if, if, the football, if the football was coins, the entire defensive side is those big red buckets you walk by. Uh, so your boy's going to cough it up a couple times. Uh, maybe not four times, uh, but he's going to give up a couple. I've said all season, I thought the Seahawks were uh, tough defensively, not in a good way. I think they're, they're, they're not what we're used to the Seahawks defense being. They're getting exposed a little bit. Now we're going to see what happens when they go up a guy who's as elusive as Kyler Murray is. Um, Kyler Murray's not dominant. There's a difference between elusive and dominant. If a team can, uh, you know, do a decent job of holding down some of those receivers and keeping his yardage down. Obviously you have a lot better success because he, he, he can do both pretty well. Um, I do not suspect the Seahawks defense is going to contain his run game, but if they can stick to the receivers, keep the yardage short, they have a chance. But I, I think again, Russell Wilson's turnovers are going to be a little bit too much to overcome. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll see what happens next week. Anyways, moving on to the Sunday games. Uh, Bengals versus the football team. Look, the football team is beginning to get it together, okay? I want to side with the hashtag Let Joey Roar movement because I'm starting it. But uh, the football team defense isn't anywhere close to the Steelers. And that being said, I think this is a lot closer than we would predict it to be. But I think the football team can get it out here. Look, Alex Smith tossed it 55 times, completed a 40 of those 55 times, had almost 400 yards last week. I think the things that they've learned from that game means that they're not going to make the same mistake, and that mistake is letting the Bears or the Lions or any team have a possession with a minute and timeouts and going down the field and scoring, okay? So that being said here, Bengals keep it interessante, but the football team is going to win by a field goal. Hmm. Falcons Saints. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of faith in Jameis Winston, who I think is going to get the nod going into this one. Um, Thomas obviously not producing is hurting them as well. Camara is their get out of jail free card as long as they can make that work. And again, I don't have a lot of faith in Jameis. <clears throat> uh, Matt Ryan and those guys have been able to put up some pretty impressive numbers. Their defense has been their biggest hole all season. But when you're going up against a quarterback like that, no matter what the momentum looks like on that side of the ball, 
Uh, it's just, it's not the same. I think the Saints will be fine with a backup quarterback. They have enough talent. None of it's Drew Brees, so they'll squeak out a few more wins. I just don't think this weekend is the one. I think the Falcons come out. Uh, I think Ryan puts up some pretty decent numbers against this team. And the defense doesn't necessarily find a way to stop Winston. I think Winston stops himself. Um, but I think this one's a, a, a Matt Ryan win. All right. Uh, Steelers-Jags. Look, I said earlier in the pod, I don't think the Steelers are ever going to lose again. And um, even though the Jags kept it respectably close against the Packers, the Steel Curtain is rising again. And I think there's just too much firepower on that team uh, to be slowed down. So I think the Steelers win by at least a touchdown here, and they go 10-0. and 0. Patriots-Texans. Uh, I think the Patriots are sort of finding their way a little bit with the running game. Uh, I do miss Cordell. I wish we had him back on our team. That was tough to watch him, you know, take that one back all the way. Um, I think, though, it's adding a little bit of a, a dynamic. You have some of these guys like Harris, who was, you know, relatively unknown, who's coming out and performing like a superstar. Um, they're starting to find ways to work around some of Cam's shortfalling while he figures out a way to get back into his playing position. Um, I think the Texans are just more inconsistent than what the Patriots are actually. Um, Watson, I think he's too much in his own head, trying to fix too much mid game. It's like being a golfer and trying to fix your swing while you're standing at the tee. I think this season is going to continue to be a little bit of a struggle for them uh, while they try and figure out their identity. I think the, I think Cam and the Pats, Cam's going to come out. He's going to have uh, a much better passing game, I think, than he did last weekend. I don't think 118 yards is going to do it against a team like the Texans. Um, but I do think the running game is going to continue to improve. I think you're going to see Harris continue taking the brunt of that until uh, Sonny Michelle comes back, whenever that is. I'm, I haven't seen any real updates across the board. Uh, but I think it's his job to lose right now. So teams are having a hard time stopping him. He's a big, strong dude. I think they carry that into this week, and I think the Pats win by I'll give them 10 points, actually, in this one. Ooh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that in the notes. The point system. Put that, put that in the notes there in case you're wrong. Um, uh, Eagles-Browns. <laughs> Look, you know, <laughs> Eagles-Browns, once upon a time, this may have been a game we were really excited to see, which, mm. I mean, we're talking about the Browns and the Eagles, so, nah, that would have been like a, a snooze fest, but um, I think everything that's ha happened with COVID this season and uh, everything that goes along with that means that this game will kind of be a hell of a lot closer than we're expecting it to. Mm -hmm. um, look, the Browns are a good team this season. And I suspect that the Eagles defense, after that crushing loss to the Giants, are going to want to get right and kind of make a statement. And to me, that kind of makes this game a toss-up. But if I'm tossing that coin and that coin relies on dual-threat running backs, veteran receivers downfield, and stud defensive ends getting to the quarterback, all of those things are on the Browns team and not on the Eagles team. So I'm going with the coin toss going in favor of the Browns, and the dog pound is going to rise up this week. Go Browns, go. All right. Uh, Lions, Panthers, uh, McCaffrey's out yet again. I think at some point, fantasy-wise, you got to consider uh, maybe it's time to – I mean, if you're not in a keeper league, it might be time to offload that weight. They're three and seven. Um, until he's back in the game, I think they are going to continue to be underdogs. Um, 
Eddie Bridgewater went out with, uh, I think it was a knee injury, which means he's going to be questionable, if not already scheduled to miss this weekend's game. Those two are going to be really tough to overcome. Um, Stafford and the Lions have been playing all right uh, as of late. So given the injuries stacking up on the Panthers' side, uh, I got to go Lions on this one. Um, I think this could potentially turn into an ugly game, depending on you know how this week shakes out, whether or not you know Teddy Two Gloves decides to to make his appearance, but playing injured without you know your star player is going to be too much to overcome. So, gotta go Lions on this one. Oh man, Matt Patricia doesn't get fired for another week in a row. Right. Uh, Titans Ravens. Look, these two teams they got a lot to prove. Okay, they want to prove that a they're actual contenders and B they're not a flash in the pan because I think we both thought these teams were going to be far better this season and what they've put so far. They're both six and three. Now the Ravens are still reeling from a, a monsoon loss in new England, and they're going to want to make a statement with this game. So if they can get any sort of game movement flow going, uh, watch out. They should definitely be able to outlast the Titans who are reeling from their own loss in prime time last week on Thursday night football. Something's got to give here. And that give is OT and that winner that takes it OT is scoring a touchdown. Putting it on the table. Let's go. I got Jets Chargers. Again, I, I said this before, but this this year, records are just bizarre. Teams are either three and six or worse. There's maybe like a small handful of teams that are in like the four and five range or the five and four range, but almost everybody else is three and seven or seven and three, six to three. It, it's so bizarre um but i got the 0 9 jets against the 2 and 7 chargers so this one's gonna be uh a little bit of a snooze fest i'm gonna go chargers because it's the jets uh the chargers have again uh been within a possession of winning all seven of their losses uh the jets doesn't they, they don't necessarily strike me as a team that's going to pitch a shutout uh so they're gonna give up a couple points um i also think they you know Secretly, I'm probably in full-on, let's let this one go mode and, and, and look forward to next season. So, Chargers because the Jets are terrible. That's some top, Jets gonna that, jet. That's some top-notch analysis for you right there. <laughs> Dolphins, Broncos. I'm just going to – I'm going to save you the time, but then I'm going to take the time. It's going to be Dolphins, man. It's crazy to me that this team isn't talked about more, uh, and I think if there's a week they can come back down to earth, it's probably this one. You have to wonder, I mean, the Dolphins are trotting out a running back that's different every single week. Uh, where did you? Where did that come from? New England, okay? I mean, Savon Ahmed had all the carries last week, and Jordan Howard was getting carries, and there's other, these other people are getting carries. They're using wide receivers to get carries. It just doesn't make sense. But if it's successful and the other teams can't stop it, keep it going. Um, I think that happens for at least another week, and I think that week is here. Um, you, you'd have to believe that folks have three games of film study on Tua Tungavaloa, and they've been able to do nothing with it. A absolutely nothing with it. So he's not even really had a big game yet, like where he tosses for 300 passing yards and he has three touchdowns. So I do wonder if that game that can be knocked off does come this week because Lord knows Vic Fangio has to start circling the wagons and Drew Locke needs to start being better with the football. I just don't see it happening this week. Uh, I think, like you said, they're they're 5-0 and for the first time since – who knows when? And uh, I, I think the Dolphins are going to win by at least a touchdown. 
Uh, this is going to be very quick analysis for you. I got the Cowboys, Vikings, and it's Vikings. Uh, Cowboys have made a couple games look more interesting um, going into the last few games once Dak went out than they probably have any right to. Um, it would be cool if they played a couple upsets for some some bigger games, but neither of these teams are, are really playing incredibly well. Um, but the Vikings and their run game are just too much to overcome. Cook is just an, an animal, and at any point he can just put up, uh, you know, 40, 50 yards on any given carry. So I think this one might be run heavy. Um, I think the Vikings are going to put up a ton of points. So going Vikings on this one. Hmm. I mean, the red rifle might be back. So Packers Colts, the Colts are coming off a nice Thursday night football win and their defense is starting to gel. And I think that makes this game fascinating for the Colts as they had division hopes and trying to make their way uh, in the AFC. And I think the narrative at for the Packers at seven and two is that maybe the Rodgers hype train is beginning to lose steam. He, he threw a really ugly pick last week. I, I mean, it's happened a, a couple of times this season. So to that end, I think it's entirely possible that the multifaceted run game by the Colts can keep up with the Packers aerial attack. And I'm upset here. I'm going to pick the Colts to win and by one. Ooh. One one point or one touchdown? One point. One point, wow. Bob. One point. All right. Uh, I got Chiefs Raiders. Um, this one's kind of an interesting one because the Raiders have been looking pretty decent, and we know the Chiefs have come close to losing a couple games. Um, hmm. My gut keeps telling me the Raiders are going to win this one, but I think it's really difficult to to bet against the Chiefs. So I'm going to override my heart and emotions here. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs. Uh, I think this one will be close. Uh, one of those games that's a lot closer than what we think. Um, I do know the Raiders have been up and down. They followed some pretty strong wins by some pretty questionable outings where they've either uh, just squeaked out a win um, or they've lost in some of those cases. I think they need to come out and follow up last week's game with another really strong outing because you know the chiefs are eight and one right now and they've beaten up on some pretty good teams so i think this one's going to be one that's a little bit closer it's probably going to go the chiefs way uh, but this is one of those i wouldn't be surprised if the raiders find a way to to kind of eke this one out with some early early heroics and then try to hold off mahomes but you know mahomes is going to mahomes and the chiefs are going to chiefs so chiefs probably take this one all right. And I got the Monday Night Football game, Rams, Bucks. Finally, a good Monday mm. Night Football game. Okay. I think this one's going to be close as well. But I think we see Tampa Bay marking up and down the field with all that firepower, which on offense is light years ahead of whatever the Rams can cook up. Okay. Because think about this. If you're looking at head coaches, Bruce Arians, Sean McVay, both great head coaches. Arians worked with a lot more great quarterbacks than Sean McVay has. Firepower, Bucks. Defense, Rams. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that Bruce Arians and co. did realize this before Breeze went out with this injury. But these next few weeks with him on the bench, they have a real shot at overtaking the Saints as far as total wins in the in the division. Uh, sorry, outside of the division in the, in the conference and trying to make a run at the division. Because, look, yeah, the Saints swept the Bucks, But the Bucks swept the Panthers, and they still have two games against the Falcons remaining. If the Saints do the same, they're both at four and two apiece. And it comes down to this set of tiebreakers. Head-to-head -head by best one-loss tied percentage 
games between the clubs. Best one tie loss percentage of games played within the division. Best one tie best one loss tied percentage in common games. Best one loss tied percentage in games played within the conference. Strength of victory, strength of schedule, and then about six other things. If you go down to strength of victory and strength of schedule, I guarantee it's probably going to go the Bucks' way. So if the Bucks are smart, they'll win this game here because they need to build as much of a cushion as possible. And I think it's very possible that the Saints probably drop one this week. Um, and that means this game is going to be a huge win for the Bucks. That's it. That's week 11. The preview, it's in the books for the Stats Matter podcast. Tim, uh, we've been starting off these episodes, and by we, I mean me, um, by you know usually an L, and that's what I'm predicting mm-hmm. for you because we're going to start off next week with – you know, Seattle's going to get a dub this week. I think, I think you're going to you're going to have to go in the tone for that L. They've mm-hmm, not lost mm-hmm. three games in a row underneath Russell Wilson. And I don't think they're going to do it now. So, deal. How many historically, uh, turnover wise, what's he at this season versus other seasons? Do we know? We have an estimate. Oh, I, I way over what he's ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're in, a, we're in uncharted territory here. So we'll see I what was happens. just about to say that. Oh uh, <sighs> yeah. All right. Well. Uh, Good luck in all of your fantasy endeavors, everybody, this season. Um, again, shout out to India. You have overcome the U.S. in the last seven days as our most frequent listeners. So uh, not sure what you guys are tuning in for to listen to, if it's, our, if it's our general sports commentary or our football. But, hey, we appreciate you guys. Again, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, if you have someone you want us to reach out to for, you know, other sports you're interested in that we may not be talking about cricket uh yeah we're here for it but uh cheers to everybody week 31 in the books for us also quick shout out to dustin johnson hell of a win oh don't worry we'll talk about that next episode we will see you guys next time